0: Welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit, and I'm
1: Dave. And I'm Chris. How are you? I'm good. A somber episode today. Talking about big things. We're always talking about big things. Yeah, but we're always laughing. I mean, this is gonna be a little bit more serious. Have you ever heard of this guy, Harris Whittles? You keep asking, no. You asked Alex, I don't I don't know who that is. Harris Whittles... Is that who we're calling?
0: No, he's dad Harris Whittles. Oh. Harris Whittles was this guy... Okay. He was on Parks and Recreation. Uh, I never he got into like The Office. I never really got into. He Parks was. And Rec. What does that have to do with The Office? It's the same writers. Well, I'm, he was I'm, a writer on Parks and Rec. He wasn't a writer on. He invented the phrase humble brag. Do you know what that is? Yeah. To be honest, I don't know any of this stuff either. Yeah. But he was um, supposed to be on Aziz Ansari's show, Master of None. Yeah, he was supposed watch that. to play Aziz's best friend. He died two days before uh, they were about to start shooting. Yeah, heroin overdose. Heroin overdose. Yeah. And um, he basically... I mean, he had the life that I dreamed of having kind of thing. And And everybody has the life that you dream of having. All these TV people. Well, and musicians have lives I dream of having too. It doesn't make me a bit...
1: You're in the zone. <laughs> You're in the zone, aren't you? Listen. Yeah, I feel like I got hand after the whole bedwetter thing. And, I, and this is the last time I'll mention it. It's been three episodes of me discussing that. But ever since you said that, I feel much more powerful. Good for you. I have bladder control. <laughs> Good for you. Okay. Listen. All right. Harris, I mentioned
0: it because I thought it would be – see, I never should have mentioned it. I, I'm trying to make our show a beacon of honesty and truth. I say something that makes me very vulnerable, mm-hmm. and you feel like how it serves you. That's, that's basically that's what you're doing the same thing at. you do to me
1: all the time. Name one time I've ever I bare my soul and my heart, and then you crush me. Name one example. Last episode, I talk about you know the intricacies of the treatment center and my humble opinions. I have a humble brag, and you just... You know, you crack me open. You say I have no opinions. You don't have don't any. Opinions. You don't even know You're what a, right
0: You now. don't even know a song you like versus a song you don't. Yeah, but I know a Van Morrison cover when I hear one. No, you don't. <laughs> you have to. You have to use an <laughs> app to figure out something. Well, I'm gonna. I'm gonna just for the sake of this. Who's Harris
1: Whittles? You started explaining it and then I cut you off. He was. I just explained. But it what is, does it have to do with anything? I don't understand. Wow. Well, He was, at 22,
0: he was writing for the Sarah Silverman Show. Then he became a writer for Parks and Rec. Then he became the executive producer of Parks and Rec. He was one of these young Jewish uh, stand-up guys. He was really into fish. He got really into drugs. He started taking Oxycontin. By the time he was executive producing Parks and Rec, um, I think it got away from him. And uh, he had to go to rehab a few times, and then he was dead. Okay. Okay. He was supposed to be on Aziz Ansari's show and... As an actor. As an actor and a writer. Yeah. And they actually dedicated that whole show to Harris Whittles. Oh, okay. The whole show, the series, was dedicated to him. His sister wrote a book. Um, And that's who we're calling? That's who's coming on the show. Oh,
1: wonderful. His sister wrote a book about what it's like to have a brother. Oh, and there's a comedy bent to it. You've told me about this.
0: Well, they call it a tragic comedy Book on heroin, genius, and loss. Yeah, it's called. Um, pause it for a second, please. So the book is called "Everything Is Horrible and Wonderful: A Tragic Comic Memoir of Genius, Heroin, Love, and Loss" by Stephanie's
1: Whittles Wax. You've been reading this book, right? Well, I listened to it. Well, even if you listen to it, yes. How come you had to pause it to look up the title?
0: Because I was just thinking tragic comic. You're a Everything fan. is horrible and wonderful. It's you're like. Stu- wow is that really the way you want to go with this <laughs> no continue anyways what is it I just told you and you can't remember what it is it
1: was really long <laughs> do you dry? understand why I had to turn around? <laughs> up you say the name again please I need to commit it lock it in
0: I just want to say something before I tell you what it is yeah you're an asshole why because you're in this weird place where you want to belittle me because I, I had a bladder issue I can't remember a fucking 20 word title can you just be how cool how does it feel I don't like it. It makes me feel bad. This is my life. No, it. it isn't. We have countless reviews that say Dave needs to be nicer to Chris. But you don't think that you need me to be mean to you so you can feel something. No. You feel nothing all, all you day. Do, you have no thoughts. The you, only thing that makes you think anything is for some. I'm the only person you, that cares enough to be you, honest with you. You
1: bolster my low self-esteem and you set my recovery back. And it makes you feel comfortable. <laughs> me bolstering your low self esteem gives you a feeling it's of like comfort, a warm, wet blanket. You need it. All right. So, okay. What is it called again? Though, let me well, look. The book is
0: called "Everything Is Horrible and Wonderful: A Tragic Comic Memoir of Genius, Heroine, Love, and Loss." Okay, and tell me what it's called.
1: Uh, everything is
0: wonderful. No, <laughs> stupid. Everything.
1: I wasn't listening. I can't believe <laughs> how stupid you are. Uh, everything uh, is illuminated a tragic comedy The book is called Halloween. Chris Horror is an Ass <laughs> He
0: Has No Opinions Have you
1: read the book Everything's <laughs> Illuminated? That shit rock.
0: His opinions about rehab aren't even his own <laughs> You have no opinions
1: Tell me the name again
0: No Please I hate you. Plug this thing, man. I don't think I'm nearly you mean enough to you. The book is called Chris is a Dumbass. He thinks he's smart because he's going to have letters after his names, and I'm going to my mommy's house in Anguilla to celebrate. <laughs> I know. It's
1: going to be awesome. The
0: book is called I Pay for My Girlfriend's Life with My Parents' Money, a memoir by Chris. <laughs> you sound jealous. The, I am not jealous. You know, the book is <laughs> called I Have to Walk a Big Fluffy Dog and Pick Up Its Shit by Chris. I
1: love Sammy. You He's the best. Yeah.
0: Tell me that now. (laughs) Call me next time you're walking the dog. Okay?
1: Everything is wonderful.
0: All right. Let's get to the book. Everything is wonderful. Everything is horrible and wonderful. A tragic tragic comic memoir of genius, heroin, love, and loss.
1: All right. Give it a ring. I'll tell
0: you, though, this guy, he reminds me way more of you than of me, though. Harry Whittles? Harris Whittles. Harris Whittles. Because his family, like, loves him. I, I think besides my dad, my family didn't love me that much. Your family loves you. How do you know? I know. the fuck, man? You really just set my recovery back years just now. Oh. I don't know. You made me feel bad. Called me stupid because I couldn't remember the title of the book. And I somehow I internalized that. And I said, I said to myself, I'm really stupid because I can't remember the title of the book. You just said it and I couldn't remember it. Listen, the truth
1: is, you're an asshole. All right, go ahead. Give this uh, uh, woman a call. I'm not done. I feel very upset. You're just filling time while you find the number. At least I can do that. And you're bad at it. I'm really good at it. Yeah. The book is called,
0: I'm a dick who pays too much for my haircut.
1: Just fucking call the person.
0: How much did you pay for the haircut?
1: This haircut, I got this one from Caitlin, one of our former dopey guests. You and, still go there for the cut? Uh, the last two times before that I didn't, but I think she charges $35. Okay. no comments on that? I pain? did, I but I'm not going to. Is it on speaker?
2: Yeah.
3: Hello?
1: Hello, Stephanie. Hi. How are you? I'm sorry. Hey, Stephanie. This is Chris. Hey, Chris. And I'm Dave.
3: Hi, Dave. How are you?
1: We're good. Sorry, it's so late. We uh, we tend to uh, record pretty late.
3: Yeah. Are, so you guys don't have children, or you do?
1: I have
0: children. Dave's just a horrible father, so.
3: How old are they?
0: I'm a great father. (laughs) Chris is an asshole. He's on some weird tear. Uh, I have one eight-year-old girl, and I have another girl who's in the womb that will be popping out very soon. Okay. How old is your daughter? She's
3: four, so she's like a lot of work.
0: Yeah. Hmm. And you're pregnant now.
3: I'm due in, like, two weeks.
0: So is mine. What what day are you due?
3: Um, so I'm scheduled to have a C-section on May
1: 17th. That's when mine is scheduled. That's wild.
3: That same day?
1: That May 17th. That's insane. That's
3: crazy.
1: That is crazy.
0: That's synchronicity right there. And it's a boy or a girl? A boy. So, and you're going to name it Harris?
3: Well... I'm going to, I can't say that because I'm a Jew.
0: Right. Me too. We won't say
3: those things out loud. But
0: you said it them. in the book. You said that at the well, end I of the book. I
3: going to name him After
0: her. Oh, so you're going to use uh, the initial. Well, I'm, I can't comment
3: on it.
0: I'm uh, sorry? She can't comment said on it. I can't,
3: it. I can't comment on it.
0: My, my mother died, um, about, you know, 10 months before my daughter was born, and my mother's name was Nancy, and my daughter's name is Nora. Um, that's,
3: yes, that's that's lovely. I think a lot of um, it seems like American Jews or modern Jews or whoever they don't usually use the whole name; like they usually just do the initial. Um. But I'm not confirming or denying it. And that's why I'm, you guys will see. You'll see. Two weeks. Three weeks,
0: you'll see. All right. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know they had Jews in Texas.
3: Yeah, they have a lot of Jews here, actually.
1: I didn't know that was a thing. Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. Yeah, it's a thing. There's did, a huge Jewish community here they,
1: in Houston. In Houston? I feel like all the Jews would live in Austin. Why? I like Austin? I always felt like Austin's, like... I don't know, more it's sort of accepting liberal place. You're so stupid.
2: He doesn't like know that.
1: anything about <laughs> anything. <laughs> he doesn't know anything about Jews how or how Texas. You,
3: uh, Houston, Texas had the first open lesbian mayor in the entire country. We're a very liberal city.
1: Really? See, us New Englanders, I'm from Boston, always assume all of Texas is kind of conservative and racist except for Austin.
3: Yeah, I know. Yeah. And that is... Proving a lot it. of it is I'm not denying that A lot of it is
1: yeah. It's full of fucking assholes But the Center of Houston Is un- entirely blue I mean we ha- Guys we have a black mayor Come There you on. go Right on There you go You learn something every day um, so, so I've been yeah,
3: we, we actually always have A democratic mayor Here in Houston
1: Oh, awesome. You're learning a lot. Anyway, that's not what, that's not what we
0: call to talk about. So. <laughs> that's okay. We're, we're, we're covering a bunch of ground. You know, All the Texans who listen can, can write about Houston if they want. But I've, I've been up to my neck in your book for the past week. And um, it was a very painful, uh, beautiful book uh, about dealing with uh, the death of your brother and the success of your brother and life in the wake of uh, your brother dying from heroin. Um, Chris and I are both uh, heroin addicts in recovery. And um, when I listened to the book, it was weird because your brother had such an insanely successful run. So I I had this weird, morbid jealousy with him from the beginning, you know, which is such a strange emotion to feel because I obviously felt empathetic towards your loss and your family's Mm -hmm. loss. Um, But it's so rare that um that you can be so successful and 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 then when it all gets taken away from you it's just so tragic you know i, I i'm not really articulating this well no
1: it's great
0: but um do you know what i'm saying it, it's just it's very sad and uh yeah and difficult um your brother was uh, a total comedy legend and he came up incredibly quickly uh what was it like to watch
4: that
3: I mean, it was, like, it was totally, like, unsurprising. <laughs> we, it was so, it was so as it should have been. You know, like, if anybody could have done that, it was Harris. He was just very destined to do what he did. He was, uh, you know, like I say in the book, like, he, he really did come out funny, he, he just, like, comedy was the guiding light in his life, his whole life, and uh, he was just this kind of magnetic force that got whatever he wanted. I mean, he just, I don't know, it, it was, it was, like, actually not surprising. It was 100% delightful and amazing. You know, mm-hmm. we, we were, like, gushing over him from afar constantly, Um, But Uh, he it seemed like it was the right thing to happen
1: for Harris. Sometimes I feel like people who have issues with addiction, um, there's this sort of counterbalancing force or whatever, whatever you want to call it, where they can be like super charismatic super creative you know and i don't think it's unique to addiction it's you know it's it's mental illness it's depression it's anxiety it's all sorts of things that's kind of coupled with this really um amazing ability to create and like win people i mean we just saw it i think that is the case with avici and you know, it wasn't necessarily addiction that sounds like it might be suicide but like with I, who with Avicii. Who's Avicii? you don't know who that is oh my god no who's Look at you yeah. you know who that, that is right
3: I'm kind of lost, too.
1: You kind of lost me. I don't know. Or you say Savici? No, avici. I don't know. You don't know who that is? Oh, it's all over the news. Anyways, but it, my point What is it, it? He was a musician. He was, like, kind of a pioneer in electronic music, and, and he did pop music and stuff, and he recently passed away. But that's besides the point. The point is just that I think a lot of, of times people um, just have this immense ability to, like, create and whatnot who have sort of other demons that they battle, you know?
3: Yeah, I I would agree. I feel like there's, um, you know, it's like because a person who's that charismatic and charming and, you know, magnetic and kind of magical is so extreme in one direction, there has to be another direction. It's not like, you know, it's not like they're like middle-of-the-road people.
0: Yeah. when you were a teenager with Harris, did you get high with him? Like, did you smoke weed with him or anything?
3: Oh yeah, we did tons of drugs together.
0: What kind of drugs did you do with him?
3: We we like we like made mushrooms in our house. I mean, we we <laughs> we smoked weed. We we did acid. We did mushrooms. We you know we did everything. We I mean we sat outside. You know. I don't know. It was it was kind of just part of how we Well, hold on. I don't want to I don't want to say that. I don't think it was like the basis of our relationship. That's not actually true at all.
0: You were like um, 4 years older than him, right? 3. So yeah, you were close in age. You hung out together. I remember there was stories There were yeah, stories like he visited you at college and you would get drunk together. What I really want to know is like when did you notice that his getting high was different than it was like hanging out, like chill? Like when did opiates get into the mix and were you ever around for that?
3: No, I didn't notice that because I lived in a different city. I mean, he, he started, I mean, when I would visit, he would take pills kind of recreationally. Um, But it never felt like it was a problem. I mean, I I really did feel like he was as recreational a drug user as he always was until he told me explicitly I am a drug addict.
0: Did you ever take oxys with him just, like, in passing?
3: No, never.
0: Because people do that all the time in passing. Um,
3: No, I mean, he did. I, I really slowed down you know in terms of my personal drug use you know when I was kind of done with college I mean I, I I smoked weed and everything but I don't think I mean that doesn't really count but I I mean I did that but I Harris kind of kept going I think um, but I don't know I, I didn't I didn't think he had a problem I really didn't And he, and he didn't He didn't act like he had a problem when when it when he announced to me that he was a drug addict. It was kind of coupled with a behavior that I started seeing that was out of character. Um, How
0: so? Uh, Like, what was the behavior that was out of character? I mean, the thing that amazed me about that is that and you should listen to this. Harris like had a a house in Los Villas Los Angeles he had become the executive producer of Parks and Rec he had an assistant scheduling all his stuff and he's out copying dope you know what I'm saying like it's like it's such a disconnect it's like she's saying in the book you know most people in that situation uh, aren't in that situation you cut them off they hit their bottom yeah. and yeah. and they seek help. Yeah. Harris had the world by the fucking uh, balls. Yeah. And
3: Well, that's and that's exactly why nobody noticed That's exactly why. He was very successful. So, he's not like your typical addict who you think about like, okay, there's going to be some real warning signs. He he definitely started to withdraw more. Um and there were instances where he was just kind of a dick. Like he was never mean until he became an addict. Right. And then and then he was like an asshole. And I was not used to that version of him. Hmm. Um, and he would just be really short tempered with us and really kind of closed off and uh you know, that's just not how we interacted. But I, I would say, like, the year leading up to – six months to a year leading up to him telling me he was an addict, I saw behavior that seemed out of character that I don't think anyone else would pick up on. Because, frankly, I don't think he would treat anybody else like that. I think he – like, you treat – you know, like, he felt – Okay, treating us like shit because we were there for him unconditionally always, um, but he had a real ability to compartmentalize that stuff. I think.
0: Well, that's addicty stuff. I mean, Chris, when you became an addict uh, and you were uh, you were able to treat people like shit when you were using, like it was because you couldn't really help yourself.
1: You know what I mean? You
0: weren't yourself at that point, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I I, I didn't have the, the financial, you know, means, the financial independence and sort of the success uh, that we're talking about here, but like, I, you know, I held my family hostage and I would, um, I basically, anything I did, you know, I was like, I knew that there was this sort of safety net that was going to take me out of it and, you know, if I got in trouble legally you know my situation was going to be much different than most of the people you know who were you know had the same charges or something cuz your like family it. would have carried cuz my family carried me you know through that and stuff and, and i would i my, my my father you know he was intimately he's sober and he's intimately aware of you know the lethality of drug addiction and alcoholism, you know, through his own family and whatnot. And uh, and I would pull at his heartstrings to, to stay sick, you know. I just I, I knew that, you know, if I ran out of treatment, if I was on the street, after it got kind of tough, I could make that phone call and say, help. And he was going to come rushing and probably put me in some fancy rehab that served steak until I could do it all over again.
0: Right. Whereas oh. Harris – I'm yeah. sorry. Please.
3: Uh, no, I, I think that we are the same kind of a family.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: I mean, I, I think Harris. I mean, H- Harris's story is unique from what from what I know about addicts. Um, like you guys were saying, like he never hit that bottom. He always had. You know, from the outside, he looked like he was on top of the world. Mm. Even when he was using and at the height of his addiction. Yeah. You no, know, and it's hard because I, I we we lived really far away, and he had a really terrific excuse, which was work. You know, when he would withdraw, he could say, "I'm working an 18-hour day," and I would believe him. You know, and and like the advent of text messaging, I think makes it really easy to lie <laughs> and to bend to. You know, to be insincere, because if I hear his voice for one second, I can know where he is.
0: Right, he can hide in the text. He can hide in text Yeah, and, and
3: like, we exclusively texted. So, you know, if he's not responding to me for a couple of days, he can finally respond and be like, man, Parks is killing me, or, you know, I'm on set this week, or whatever. And how am I going to know?
0: Do you think that his addiction... Like, really? I mean, when I was a kid, I I worked in television and I got to be a producer when I was 22. And literally, you know, six months, the first contract I got, I became a heroin addict. Literally. And uh, and and I didn't make it through the year. I, I like checked in. I breached contract. I got fired, and that was the end of my production career. Now I make dopey. You know, <laughs> fifteen years later, I make this stupid podcast. But with him, had he had? Do you think he had had a lot of major success before he was really in the opiate world?
3: He had. He absolutely had.
0: Hmm. Yes. Yeah.
3: He and,
0: had. So, like, because I know for me, it was fear and pressure that made it so I needed, it or I really sought after opiates because it dealt with fear and pressure. You know, he had fear and pressure and, and didn't turn to opiates for a long time. Like, what do you think the, the, the turning point in his drug use was?
3: Um, that's a good question. I think that he had money to burn. I think he had more money, number one. I think he could, like, spend a lot on the opiates. I think he... uh, I think he did have mounting pressure as his career got... um, You know, he became more and more successful. He had you know, he had deadlines. He was writing, constantly writing um, scripts to pitch uh, to networks and that would be, he would spend like two years on them and then they would be rejected, you know? Like, so there was a lot of rejection and a lot of heartbreak that I think people feel a lot and don't really know what to do with that. I mean, that's sort of just like a thing that happens out there. (laughs) Like, everyone's working on these scripts and pouring their souls into them and then they just get, like, tossed in the trash,
0: Mm -hmm. which must hurt another thing way. i got i got from your book which was that he succeeded so young and everybody yeah. kind of took them under his wing like like what's her face sarah silverman's taking him to to introduce him to all the executives literally being like harris shake this guy's hand this guy's yeah. going to be the yeah. producer harris meet the and and so on and so forth and he was always the young guy the sweet kid the like the innocent like super funny young guy and I bet you as he got older there was almost pressure to stay young Hmm. you know I bet you that was a thing Um, well
3: I know I know that you know like your story you were saying like your first job you fucked up Harris had already by the time he started fucking up he was already like the funniest guy in the room and so like people needed him to be in the room you know like his boss, I think, put up with a lot of shit from him that he wouldn't have put up with if it were somebody else. But, you know, I, I asked, I, I sat next to Mike Sure at a dinner recently and I was like, how did he keep his job? I mean, he was constantly late. He would call in. Off. He would like flake towards the end. I mean, he was a mess. And Mike was like Because he was funny He was really funny And At that point Like if he'd been In writers rooms For six years At that point Like people knew We need him In this room You know what I mean Like I think he had some Clout by that point And so Like he had I mean this sounds weird But he had like More room To fuck up
1: Yeah that makes sense. You know,
3: it's not like his first job; like he'd already proven himself.
1: Um, um, S- Stephanie, I haven't um, had a chance to read the book yet, but uh, what is kind of okay? Your- well,
3: then I'm hanging up.
1: <laughs> um, but what is your what is your your message? You know, um, with it.
3: I don't. I don't know. You guys tell me. I don't know.
1: Her message
0: <laughs> is is what it's like to be left. And what it's, like that, what it's like to be – the book is about – very much about her loss of her brother. And it reminds me a lot of, of your story. Chris's sister runs a company that, uh, that places addicts in treatment uh, because of Chris's experiences. And, and if you had died – I can imagine your sister writing a book very similar to her book yeah. It's very much about like what the family is left with
1: yeah
0: uh yes. and her her and her brother were really close yeah and um and it's and I really wanted you to come on the show because I know that we have so many addicts out there who don't consider like I know that when I used, I didn't really consider my family and what it would mean to them when I was gone or if I was gone. And you so strongly uh, articulate what it's like, t- the anger and the sadness and, and all that stuff is what really the book is about more than anything. And that life does go on even when your brother's dead. Yeah,
3: that, yes. I, you're, yes, that is good. You passed that is great. I know it, 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 it's, it's a book about grief. I mean, I, you know, people, when I was writing it, I, that's not true. When I was writing it, I was a total mess. So I wasn't thinking about where it would end, but once it got published, you know, my worry was that I would be dishonoring Harris in some way by telling this story. But cause that's the last thing I would ever want to do. Um, but it's not really a book about Harris. It's a book about um, a, f- a family member, like dealing with grief, dealing with the loss of somebody that they love dearly, and how you move on through that. And then also, it's a book about a family member dealing with an addict and the roller coaster that inevitably comes along with that, uh, and all of those complex emotions. There's so many. It was like basically in a two-year period no, no, no am I right? Yeah, it was about a two-year period, three-year period I found out my brother brother was an addict Um, I had my first child, she was born with a permanent hearing loss and so we were dealing with all of that like medical stuff with her then Harris died and then I had to like figure out how the fuck to keep living through that it was a horrible horrible period of time um but at the same time it was also complicated because I did have this new baby who was infectiously gorgeous as a person I mean she was like this amazing miracle for me. Like she pulled me out of the darkness. I feel like single-handedly, um, like nothing will make you want to live more than like having a baby because you, <laughs> I had to keep, I had to keep her alive. I mean, I literally like, was her food source. You know what I mean? Like there's, there was this really crazy thing happening where like birth and death happened right on top of each other. And I was experiencing the most horrible grief and just crippling depression that I've ever felt while simultaneously relishing in, like, the beauty of my new daughter. So I was, like, really fucked up. so I wrote this book. And it took me nine months to write it. And I wrote it, like, in real time while I was going through all of this. And... I think it was um, tremendously therapeutic I, you know, while I was writing it I wasn't thinking about wh- what would happen to it or where it would go or who would read it or what they would think I just like wrote it and um, and I think because of that I didn't edit much I mean, the way the what, what you're reading is a, is really what was originally written so a lot of that like like anger and all of that, like, darkness and ugliness and all that, like, there was a part of me when I went back to edit it when I was feeling better.
0: And you wanted to, like, sugarcoat your feelings for yeah, your brother. Like,
3: yeah, where I was like, oh, God, that sounds bad. Like, I don't want to say that. But I was like, you know what? No, this is this is how it was. It sucked. It was a fucked-up, terrible time. And uh, the response I've gotten from people who have been through this before, or who have lost family members to addiction, or who have lost family members to other things, um, or people who are currently dealing with family members who have addiction, or people who are dealing with addiction themselves. It's been, like, crazy. I never anticipated that part of it, where people are, you know, so profusely kind and thanking me like i i felt this way and i did no one i've never heard anybody talk about it and i you express and like people are like sending me twitter messages like pouring out their souls like tons of them you know it's like it's wild um
0: there was a part in the book that uh i really really spoke to me where um you had wished you had said something to him and you thought that it could have changed his trajectory if you had sent him this certain letter and then yeah. and, and you regretted not sending him this letter. And it made me think, because Chris and I are always talking about what could possibly uh, change an addict or, or give him, you know, is there anything that can, you can do for somebody in the grips of addiction? And I always say no. I always say that an addict gets a, a bolt of lightning in their brain that says, I can change now, that something happens. And and, and I, you know, I, I, I personally believe that. I mean, treatment can point you in a direction. You can get a, a thought. But it's like, I, I think, Chris, pro- you probably heard from your family 10 billion times reasons why not to use, right?
1: Yeah, but at the same time, I was in a car once, and my mom said something, and I broke down hysterically crying, and that was probably the one of the bolts. Do you know what I mean? So it isn't... But then, well, then what, but how, how far was that from when the last time you got clean? That was the first time I made an effort, and I got a year sober after that time. And then, during because of that year, sobriety became more willing. So, I mean, I think there's two things you're talking about. I do think the um, relationship we have with other people in our lives, it, it might... There's a chance it could facilitate something like that bolt you're talking about. But I think more importantly, because I tend to, you know, endorse kind of your line of thinking, that when that bolt happens, it's important to have those people around. To be able to cultivate it. Yes.
0: And then, then so like, then Harris... He, he was in, he had finally gotten into serious treatment. He had gotten into sober living. He had turned down three Vivitrol shots in the sober living. And then he's moving to New York to work on Master of None and he overdoses. Yeah. You know? And it's like, what a, what a terrible ending. Yeah. You know? And, and you want to figure out all these permutations of what could have happened. You know? Right? And that, that is a. Insanely
3: intense, and I think overlooked part of the grieving process is that investigative phase. Like I I call it the manic investigative phase that that the survivors are left with of when somebody dies suddenly and you can't like have any kind of closure, and it's like tragic. There's this real need to figure out what happened and to try to piece together some semblance of. You know, making sense of something senseless—that yeah. uh, was a huge task that I had um, given myself to do. It's,
1: it's, um, it sounds like writing the book was cathartic in a sense, where it sort of filled that purpose in a way.
3: It did. It did, and I and I also was able to do a lot of like looking back and looking at you know, good stuff too. And remembering stuff about our relationship and remembering specific things that I don't know if I would have taken the time to like, memory is so fleeting, you know? Yes. You'll hear people, you know, who have lost loved ones. They say like, you know, I, I'm afraid of forgetting things. I don't want to forget things. And I think there's a, there's a survivor's guilt that happens, or at least it did for me where, almost didn't want to get better. I didn't want to heal because I felt like if I did I would forget this, you know? Like I would I would move on and then Harris would become nothing or he would become absent to me. Right. You know, and and I didn't want that. But so I think writing the book like preserved so much of our relationship and so much of my memories and you know the the really good
0: ones and the really
3: really bad ones. Yes. Um, I,
0: so I, yeah. I found the book to be uh, an amazing book for anybody who has a family member who who is an addict and anybody who's a fan of Harris's. I totally recommend getting this book. And I really want to thank you for coming on. I think it's it's really awesome and 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 I think it's we all, we always have the addict's eye view on dopey and we very rarely have the families I view. And, and I think yeah. it, it's very, very like important to, for us to remember, like who we affect and, and who we leave behind and, and who we're dodging when we're getting high, you know, like to, to be honest about it. And and I had a baby come into my life, like right when my mother had died and I still got high, you know, like, cause yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm a fucking horrible drug addict. I'm clean a few years and I'm fucking super grateful to be clean. And, um, but I know what it was like to be on, uh, on the other side. And it was a miracle that I didn't get to die, you know, and I'm really sorry that, uh, Harris did. Um, and thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank
3: you. Yeah. Yeah. I, listen, I mean, I, it's a, the, like, don't take this the wrong way. It's like amazing to me that you guys are alive, you know, like, from my perspective, like, I'm just like, how does anybody survive this thing. I, it's like it's astounding to me. Like I, I I'll say like if, if like being smart and funny and charming and talented and wonderful could be drug addiction, then Harris would be alive, you know? Like mm. it just it's just still to this day people will ask me about like addiction or how do I feel about addiction and it's like really hard for me to talk about because we lost. You know what I mean? Like we didn't, we didn't beat addiction. Um, and I, I, I guess I'm still really curious about how people do.
0: Well, nobody you know, does. Fun. Nobody beats it. You know, me yeah, and Chris I mean, it don't just seems beat so it. Possible. We we just fucking get through the day, and we try to help the next person who's struggling, just like another person helped us. You know, it's a scourge, and and it, and it sucks you up, and and it fucks you up. And then when you can get a little bit better, if you can help the next person, that's as close to beating it as you get. You get to live. But but we all like – we just – we didn't die. You know what I mean? Well,
3: it sounds like doing the podcast though and it, it sounds like that's how you – part of your sobriety though. Like you're saying, you know, like helping other people and this is like part of what you actively do
0: yeah and we also enjoy it we, we have fun doing it and and like there's a ton of people who listen and feel as though like if 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 these guys can have a decent time without getting high then maybe they can and and that's like very very valuable to us so yeah it's cool you know i i, I wish you huge luck on may 17th and um and let's and we'll compare notes
3: yeah, you too. Wow, exciting times on May seventeenth.
0: No doubt. Thank you so much, right. Stephanie. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Okay.
3: Okay. All right. Take
0: care. Okay, thanks, good night.
3: Stephanie.
0: Bye. Bye. There different, you go.
1: Different perspective on dopey.
0: Yeah. Fucking Harris Whittles. Uh, one of his bits. Yeah. In the beginning, it's this forward by a season. on yeah. sorry, and one of Harris's bits was like. Underwear with, it's like he gets a, somebody take a picture of him on the toilet and he's wearing his underwear and he's like, I'm dropping a deuce right now. Yeah. And the guy's like, No, you're not. And he goes, I am because I have a fly in the back of my underpants too. And it's like, so he could stay warm on the toilet but he can shit with the hole in the back. He had a million bits. He had a million funny bits and he, I was so jealous of him reading the book. It's yeah. like, And then he's dead, and it's his sister, you know, misses
1: her brother. It's very, like, sad. Very, very touching. Um, Before we continue on to our next caller, I just want to say... However, first of all, with all your music stuff, do you not know who Avicii is? I don't know who Avicii is. Come here. Where are you going? I'm, I need to charge the phone or we're not
0: going to be able to do the next fucking
1: call. I'm to charge it. Get it going. Tell me who
0: Avicii is. Oh,
1: great. Oh, I, I'm great. Just, I'm just going to play a second. But, I mean, Dopey Nation, please email us or specifically tweet at Dave and say for him being such a music master, a musicologist, as you like to say, the fact that he doesn't know who Avicii is is kind of alarming. You don't know who this Make is? I'm happy know. I don't you, know. He just committed suicide. He doesn't oh. that like, stuff for him? You haven't heard this? No. This is just... Me, so wait a second. How do you not know who this is? It sounds like the mall me. It's shocking. It's also shocking that you'd say such disparaging comments about somebody's creative content post humorously. (laughs) You saw your behavior
0: It's like you're out of fucking control You are out of control What do you mean? Pause the fucking show and back it up No no. You're out of control No way Oh my god I I
1: struck a chord with you when I just said that Dude, that music wasn't good I don't care if he's alive or dead I'm surprised you don't know who he is It's been in the news every two seconds Listen, yeah.
0: I don't care. Yeah. I'm sorry Avicii's dead. I'm sorry for the major. I'm sorry. The, it's like elevator music, man. I don't care. Sorry he's dead. Jesus Christ, you're fucking seething during the interview, and and you're upset that I don't know that that guy is alive or dead? Play me another Avicii hit. Play me another fucking hit by Avicii, please. I bet you can't even... That's not even how you pronounce his fucking name. You
1: sound really upset right now. I'm upset at you, because you're insane. If you had to sit with you during that phone call, it's it's like... It's just stick, man. It's just stick. Which is the shtick? Right now. This is the shtick? You can't handle any shtick. Okay, here's... Here's another one, Uh, Wake Me Up. I don't know this one. Oh, yeah, you know the song. I know this one.
0: You listen to this while you're driving? I I can see you fucking driving, drinking your flavored seltzer, vaping. Oh, now? (laughs) You are a hypocrite liar. I don't know how you live with we yourself. Need pause and reset. I, I swear Meditate to God. for a moment. I do not know how you live with yourself. Put on that song. I can imagine Chris fucking two hands on the wheel. Put that one
1: uh, on. You know this one. Put that sure. one on. Hold that on, was perfect. One. How about this one? You ready? Wait for it. It's coming. Here it is.
0: <laughs> no good? This is... Chris dancing in the frat house, fucking vaping and drinking flavored seltzer, <laughs> seething at me because I have some bereaved sister on the phone. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck are you doing? What do you mean? I just want to offer my condolences to the family and friends of Avicii. <laughs> very important American artist that we've I really lost. I did
1: a number on you with my jab, huh?
0: Wow, the bedwetting, fucking Avicii's dead. I feel bad. I, I don't like his music. You know, can I say something? I, can I just say something? Yes.
1: And Avicii, I, I am sorry. Yeah. I'm proud I don't know who you were. Because <laughs> your music is terrible. Well, they, So, okay. So, I actually went. I heard he died. And I remember that last song I just played, Levels. And I, I remember that when that came out. I went to the gym and uh, iTunes had an Avicii playlist right after he died. And I listened to it. And the only song that I actually... And I add... Oh, you know, I constantly add stuff to my playlists. The only song I actually added was um, the one I played for a second on there. I'm Gonna Love you. I like that one. But I listened to his whole thing. And but, they're all, like, good. They're all, like, poppy radios. I always thought he was more, like, electronic music. But, like, it seems like he's, he's more kind of poppy stuff.
0: I think he was an electronic poppy guy. He's from Sweden. You know,
1: what good music really comes from Sweden? Yeah. Abba. Yeah, all right. What are you going to do? Um, we're going to call another person. But you mentioned something that you were saying: if we had died, what would the follow have looked like, or something like that?
0: Everybody who listens to Dopey that used heroin addicts are dangerously close to dying all the time. Yeah, you know. And I, and I recall very... I mean, for everything I don't remember, I do recall very well... It's funny that she didn't know who Avicii was. I don't know. Well, he's all over the Facebook feed, you know? Maybe
1: you're not pronouncing it right. It's it's A-V-I-C-I-I or something. It's Avicii. It's like Cevici, but it's with an A. Anyway, he looks
0: kind of like you to me. Looks like a cross between you and Matt Damon. Um, anyway, I remember... Many New Years, and I used heroin for many years, so yeah. I remember many New Years where I would shoot as much as I could yeah. and hope that I would not be around to see the next year. And every, yeah, what? Really? Yeah, I, I was just so unhappy. You know, I wasn't like trying to kill myself, I just thought it would be like a plus if I didn't wake up. Do you know what I'm saying? Hey, you know, I've never heard that before. No?
1: I t- no, I s- I've never heard you say that before.
0: I was unhappy. I couldn't get off the hamster wheel of dope. Um, I was very lonely. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't have minded. I I felt like that would have been a great way to die. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that Harris Whittles was happy to die then. He was at the fucking, the pinnacle of his career. He was about to be on a major show. You
1: never know what's going on emotionally, though, with somebody, you know? Of course. Yeah. I'm just Look saying... Look Robin Williams. You know what I mean? You never know You know what their personal life is. They could be a happy person in the limelight. How did he die? He commits suicide. How did he do it? He hung himself, right? I think so. I, I don't remember. I mean, this guy overdosed. Philip Seymour Hoffman. You know what I mean? Go through the lists. He'd continue the list ad infinitum. Ad infinitum. Infinitum? Infinitum. infinitum. Ad infinitum. Infinite. Yeah, no, I think with, I always think about it. my brother actually said it to me once. I remember I, I had to go talk to my brother about my drug addiction. And I was living alone <coughs> in the North End in Boston. And I remember actually I shot dope once and I got up after it. I took a couple of feet and I just fell on my face. And I was just doing and it was, you know, straight heroin pre-fentanyl. But I was doing a lot. And I remember I went to go talk to my brother about my drug addiction. I had to like drink some beer before I went. And he said to me, do you know what happened if you overdosed and died in your apartment? And he's like, and like Mom and Dad found you. He was like, they would never recover. You know? And like, I, I like kind of thought about it, but it wasn't until I got sober that I realized that. And it's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, that was another
0: thing that she talked about in her book. Yeah. Which was her parents' grief. And that her father is, like, you know, gone. Gone because of it? Like he has Well your dad
1: Think of Alan You know He's, It's still It's still there You know He can joke about it A little bit But not Not really
0: No He. When I use The wrong bathroom He thinks <laughs> I'm getting high Because I'm shitting In the other bathroom Yeah Now let's go to the next Bereaved uh, call Alright you got it uh. Ugh <laughs> Why are you Ugh Because I, I don't know I like to have a lot, more It takes a lot
1: out of you I like to have more fun With the addiction <laughs> You know <laughs> Uh, Dopey Nation, we are calling uh, Andrew's mother, Um, the late, great Andrew, banjo player, uh, went to Dave and I's uh, alma mater. Dave had coffee and breakfast with him a few times. I I visited him um, at one of the meetings at the treatment center. Um, Anyway, so he was on the show a few times, and he passed away. You guys may remember. And um, this is his, his mother we're calling right now. What's her name? Her name is Kim. Kim. Okay. You got the number? This is uh, dead air again, Dave. It's calling, mother. Why does it take you so
0: long to do anything? Oh my god. It's like. You're very unpleasant. Hello? Hi, Kim. Oh, hi. How are you? I'm
2: good. I'm very well. Thanks for calling.
0: Well, thank you for coming on the show.
2: Oh well, um, you know, I just want to be one little voice in this big old problem to try to do whatever I can.
1: Hey, Kim. Sorry, we were so. This is Chris.
3: Oh, hi, Chris.
1: Uh, sorry, we were so so late calling.
2: It's okay. Don't worry about it. I'm sure you
1: guys just had a full show. Um, we just had a woman, uh, Stephanie Whittles, on, who's mm-hmm. um, written a book. Uh, Dave, what's the book called? I don't know Everything is <laughs> It's called Everything is
0: Wonderful and Horrible A Tragic Comic Loss of Heroin Genius and Loss or something It was this guy Harris Whittles who uh, was the producer of Parks and Rec and he wound oh up no. overdosing on heroin a few years ago and his sister wrote the mm-hmm. book Oh that's yeah wow So It seems,
2: seems to be a common thread that genius piece and not being able to quiet the mind down
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we didn't really talk about that. Did you think that was something that 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 was something that Andrew was doing? You think he was medicating yeah. a, a, a wild yeah. mind?
2: He slept with WCBS on as a very very young child. You know, he he always had a transistor radio, and um, yeah, I think he was always looking for that distraction a little bit mm-hmm. early on. And um, you know, we just saw it as him just having a busy brain with a lot of things to think about.
4: Yeah.
0: Right. Well, he obvi- he had a very busy brain. I mean, I got to talk to him a few times, and he was yeah. always a mile a minute. You know, onto yeah. his next adventure. And um, yes. Yes. And it's uh, yeah. very sweet, obviously young kid and when it happened uh, we were both devastated and I'm sure it doesn't touch what you and your family went through Um, he had been home for how long when it happened?
2: Um, He had well I mean he had gotten himself he had relapsed again you know he had left that beautiful bucolic setting at the farm basically you know that had become another family and really really they're really ripped up from it as well drove down to Spokane, scored what he needed, called his dad, you know, really had no plans. You know, literally, I think, drove barefoot. And uh, God bless his dad, got him on a plane and got him back here. And then we got him back up to Mountain View and detoxed again. And he was back in New York. So, you know, it was another relapse that brought him back to the East Coast.
1: Um, Kim, so how have you been dealing with the whole thing?
2: Um, Well, we had a really amazing memorial service on the 14th. Okay. And we had it at um, a local Autobahn. And it was like that one Saturday that was glorious. Yep. And um, we really chose to just be completely honest and upfront about how he died. And people spoke very poignantly about his addiction and uh, we had, I don't know, almost 300 people show up. So it was amazing. And I spoke myself, and um, Andrew always loved, loved, loved poetry, so I found some pretty incredible poems that spoke to me about him and his short life, and um, that really, really fortified me.
4: Hmm.
2: And uh, I think just having other people understand how bad this is was is and continues to be very important to me.
0: Right. Andrew Andrew seemed very like hung up on adventure and yeah. um, and I was yeah. hung up on adventure too and well, yeah. and an, he yeah. reminded me so much of myself these fantasies of uh adventure and when it when when life adventure couples with chemistry adventure and and brain yeah. adventure and drugs kind of supersede the adventure by becoming the adventure
2: oh that's so well said that's so well said yeah yeah and um yeah because i think that was i think when he was not using he substituted the adventure of drugs with the adventure of adventure
0: in, or with him, it was the adventure of music. It was the adventure of of, of really living. I remember yeah. when we yeah. had him on the show, I made fun of him and I called him a hippie. And yeah. he got upset because he wanted me to call him a hobo because <laughs> yeah. there was this great distinction between the yeah. two. Yeah. And I yeah. understood what he meant because I was the same yeah. way. Like yeah. you have this fantasy. You know, and I think so many Absolutely. people out there are towing this line of this fantasy, and what we yeah. don't realize is how easily it's all gone, and, and hippie, hobo, junkie, yeah. whatever, you're just gone in the end, and, and, yeah. and it's just so yeah. sad, and, and it's like it, it's so, it happens so quickly, and, and you, like it's a miracle that Chris and I can be sitting here talking to you, and it's it a is. tragedy yeah. that Andrew yeah. isn't with us.
2: Yeah, I know. And it just, you know, it's that phone call, and I know you guys have heard this hundreds of times, that you just can't even believe you got, because you've gotten so many calls. There's been a relapse. There's been a car accident. There's been this. There's been that. And then to get that call is just, um, I, I mean, it just opens up a place where you can't really ever recover from. And just having the fact that his dad found him and you know his poor dad has to live with that the rest of his life and Mm. you know right after it 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 speaks to the adventure that you guys talked about because the fact that he was with you both the night before he died and where he was and after that uplifting energetic conversation it just speaks to the power of the drug that he would he had bought it you know, NYPD had unlocked his phone and he had bought it
0: within 24 hours of when he saw you. Yeah, he saw me. Chris wasn't here. He saw me okay. the morning before. He yeah. he even I had even yeah. forgotten we were supposed to meet. He wanted yeah. to intern yeah. on Dopey. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and I met him by Union Square. He biked over there and I bought him mm-hmm. a coffee on yep. 12th Street and Broadway And Mm -hmm. we talked about drugs, and we talked about sobriety. And you're saying he had already bought the dope.
2: I think that's what yeah, I think that's what they said. Yeah, Mm. yeah. I don't know when he went when the messenger came but it was we're talking like you know within 6 to 12 hours probably
0: oh I bet it was afterwards because it was early in the morning and I heard from his father the next day but I wouldn't be surprised because I've had it happen to me where I feel like something good is happening and I try to medicate the good thing
1: yeah you try to you know add to it
0: yeah
4: the
1: the saddest thing Kim about this whole sort of epidemic going on and, and your situation is like you know, there's so many people dying. You, you yeah. and, you know, Andrew's father, they bend, you bent over backwards to send him into treatment and everything like that. Yeah. Yet, if yeah. somebody has a child who, you know, dies of cancer or in a, in a car accident, there's kind of this outpouring. But that isn't necessarily the case when somebody dies of addiction.
2: Well, you know what, guys? I am ridiculously happy to tell you. That, that has not been our experience that's
1: wonderful that's so good to hear that's
2: um my community and you know you you can't but help but think of the stereotypes of Fairfield County hmm. um, uh, there's we we've received over sixty thousand dollars <coughs> in donations
1: uh, sorry say that again
2: I said we've received over sixty thousand dollars oh my in God. wow both to um, you know, a GoFundMe and to uh, Shatterproof. Okay. What's that? Uh, so Shatterproof, I'd love for you guys to look it up. It's, uh, it's a pretty incredible organization that started out here. It's founded by a gentleman named uh, Gary Mendel, who lost his own son four or five years ago, who is a very, very strong, powerful, charismatic leader in business and he's dedicated now his whole life to changing legislation. He, he spoke in front of Congress last, last week about the opioid crisis. Yeah. So um,
1: – They do like uh, repelling events in all different cities yeah, yeah, where they yeah. repel yeah. off buildings. Yeah, they're kind of originally. moving
2: away from that and they're getting into more policy and honoring and kind of taking a little more – fundamental approach and helping families they're actually even starting a new area where they're trying to get companies to get on board to provide safer environments for employees that are suffering from addiction
1: that's awesome it's so he crazy. was um, the the ceo of like starwood which is they own the west end or, or something like that yeah and he, yeah. he and stepped down and do this full time
2: yeah, and anecdotally, I think what happened to his son—his son took his own life by suicide because he was having some type of um, moral crisis about suboxone.
1: Ah, wow, wow, that's it's—it's that's so, it's like, please, no, good. I was just going to ask you, Kim, do you think the yeah. response <coughs> that you got, um, yeah, you know, with your, your your peers and your friends, and you mm-hmm. know, uh, in Fairfield County? Do you think that that is becoming more commonplace? I
2: I absolutely do. And what I'm trying to do in my own life is shine a light. And I'm not telling everybody that I see, but people know that this is everywhere. And I'm so, so grateful for that because I want to be the face of it, a face as a parent of Mm. what's what's coming and there are unfortunately there's too many of us uh, Andrew went to a very very formidable all boys high school and um, uh, two weeks before Andrew another boy died oh wow And so it's it's just it's going it's everywhere and I think that even people out here that sometimes live in glass houses are starting to see that it's here and it's not going away and as a parent you just you've got to be looking for signs
0: it's crazy i mean chris and i do this show every week we basically get together (laughs) once a month and we you know record and Mm -hmm. uh and it's mostly like a lot of fun yeah and it's it's a lot of laughs and it's and it's and it's like uh for us you know, we lived at the edge of our seats and and lived yeah. very stupidly and irresponsibly forever. And now yeah. we kind of like laugh about it because like it was also so miserable to get off drugs at first. It was so hard yeah. to get off drugs, and it was so yeah. it was so unhappy. And yeah. uh, and it was almost funny how shitty it was. Yeah. And, and we well,
2: wanted the, the the fact you guys. Pardon me for interrupting. Found the humor in it is. I don't know. There's just something inside both of you, obviously, that is so amazing that allowed you to create this way of being uh, to help others and to bring humor to such oftentimes a humorless thing.
0: I think that was, to be honest, that's a side effect. Like, I think that we were self-serving in the first place, and it was like a side effect that other people got something good out of it. Yeah. And then when we saw it, it made us feel good.
2: Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't your original intention, in other words.
0: No, our original intention was to, like, have a few laughs. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and to get through some really crappy times. And I have a dear friend who's in recovery, and, you know, having her as kind of a guide to saying she totally gets it. And I think that just, that helps me a lot too. And I do, like I go to Al-Anon and that helps a lot too. I was really afraid to go back after Andrew died because I felt like I'd be looking, I'd be like the sum of everybody's fears, you know? Right. But then I got back to realizing that Al-Anon is not about the addict. So it's, it's definitely serving me now.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
2: So I'm, I'm happy for that. And um, a lot of kind of, you know, not real strict groups up here. So I, I've really found some nice people to um, to kind of share with and go forward with. So I'm happy for that.
0: Well, Andrew will forever be a part of this show. We yeah. refer to him all the time.
2: Yeah. Well, I so appreciate it. I have not had the courage to listen to that because it was so close. But it's definitely will be something that I will do at some point.
1: You know, listen, I just, I I want to say something real quickly is that, uh, Kim, it's kind of surreal. And like, I don't know if anyone said this before, if it's just in my head, but your voice, your inflection and your tone, it actually sounds, reminds me of Andrew a little bit.
2: Well, you know, it's so that's so it's amazing of you because going back to his kindergarten teacher, she used to tease us that, uh, The way we would handle different subjects you would bring up would be almost identical. So it is really funny that you say that.
0: I just got a a Facebook message from somebody. Can I read it to you? Sure. It says, Hey, Dave and Chris, I've been listening to your podcasts in backward order. No reason. Just started downloading that way. Anyway, I heard the podcast when you guys shared that Andrew had passed. I'm listening to uh, episode 110 when he's playing the banjo. I have to be honest. I started crying when I heard his voice. I'm so sad for his family. Reminded me that I have hurt my family so much. His death makes me want to fight for the sobriety even more. Day 54 for me. Thanks for doing what you do. So no, that's I mean,
2: great.
0: I mean, that's it's great, great. It's terrible. But yeah. it's like he obviously yeah. affected a lot of people. Yeah.
2: Well, that and that was the gist that I received so much uh, just... So much of a positive energy when there was just so many people coming up to me at his memorial perfect strangers. People flew in from all over the country that he was in rehab with that just showed up, listened, and left. I mean, it was pretty incredible. Yeah. So, you know, I just, I feel so grateful that I was able to be his mom. Right. I just wish I had him for a little bit longer.
0: Of course. Thank you, Kim, and yeah. and, and we're very sorry for your loss, and thank well, you for coming on. Well, thank you on. guys,
2: too. And, um, you know, i just reading a lot of stuff about you guys before we spoke. I'm just so grateful that you guys are kind of walking on this planet, and some of the recent guests that you guys that have had have been people that I've been listening to for a really long time, and um, I just think the more... You guys shine a light on this, the better. Great. And I am going to definitely kind of pass your name on in an email to uh, Gary about, you know, just what you guys do. And because um, I think the more we can create synergy between people and groups trying to make a difference, the better.
1: Sure. Thank sure. you so much, Kim. All Thanks. right.
2: Thank you guys so much for taking the time. I
1: hope you get to sleep in tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> Anytime, okay. Kim. Thank you.
2: Take care.
1: Okay. Bye,
2: gentlemen.
1: Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Oh, wow, what a s- sweet lady. What an incredibly sad episode. I know. It was heavy. You think people are still listening? Sure. Why not? The active people? I think Avicii's family is just really pissed. <laughs> Oh man, that was a heavy episode. Did um, you hear? Did you hear Andrew's voice at all? Did you pick up on that or no? No, but um, but that doesn't, could be in my head. It doesn't
0: mean that it isn't true. I yeah. I, I, I I could a little bit maybe, yeah. but but I, I I couldn't make the connection yeah. for whatever reason. Kim is a sincere, uh, sweet fighter of a woman, and um, I'm honored that she came on our show. It's like our show is a little bit weird, like that we can do an episode like last episode with the meth death drinking, <laughs> know, this. And, and then and then we do this episode which is just like survivors. It's not survivors. We have maybe I have a little survivors guilt, yeah. but it's just such intense loss, and coupled with just like.
1: Well, uh, screaming I at each
0: other and like yeah. you know like
1: I mean I think I got Arch- that what, what Stephanie was saying and that I mean and this is the takeaway that I had is that saying goodbye to the pain of the loss of her brother was like a, it's like it's like um, Bobby in The Sopranos he won't eat the ziti the frozen ziti from his wife do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's kind of like that, where it's like you, you almost don't. There's a party that doesn't want to get over because when you get over it, that's the real goodbye. I think also in that, yeah, it's like you think when you get over it, you're never. They're going to be gone. They're forgotten or something.
0: Um, I think that uh, it's just there's. You know, I have a kid. I'm sure you're going to have kids. Uh, if my daughter or the unborn one. How weird is it that we're going to have kids on the same day, too? I know. That's wild. Um, fucking, if my daughter struggles with drugs and she died,
4: yeah, I don't
0: don't know how I would
4: live with that. Yeah.
0: You know, I mean, part of me just says things have, I mean, what it really makes me think, forget all that, what all of it really makes me think is how does one person get out and another person not? And what does it
1: take for someone to get out? That's what, There's a piece of me, before we even touch the second part of that statement, that I almost don't even like talking to the bereaved families because you can't make sense of it. And I feel like sometimes when other people make sense of it, and this is sort of what I was trying to get at with her, and it doesn't sound like this is an issue, is you start to think, oh, well, did they do something wrong? There's sort of value judgments. And, like, there's a huge piece of it and it's not all of it but there's a huge piece of it that's just fucking dumb luck where you trip into sobriety and that's a thunderbolt whatever the fuck you want to call it you know and a family could do everything right and their loved one could die and then also there's fucking kids who grew up in extreme victims of abuse and neglect and trauma and they get sober you know what I mean it's, it doesn't make sense it's total luck of the draw when it really it's not total if it was total when it
0: really comes down to
1: it at the end of all of it it's total luck of the draw and but i understand what you're saying but if you're going to say that total luck of the draw cuz it also negates everything i'm trying to do with my life it's total luck of the draw whether or not I get run over by a fucking bus, sure, or that's whether hard. or not Dopey gets big, or whether or not you know I bar from three. Do you know what I mean? Like if everything's total. Listen, luck of I'm going to say this, and doubles. I don't
0: want you to get offended. Yeah. I think, and I, I don't think this is bad. Yeah. I think you're going to do this for your life because it's something to do. You'll make a living, yeah. and you understand it, and you're going to be trying to do more good than harm. Yeah, you're not going to have a preconceived notion that you're Captain America throwing your shield at fucking addiction. You understand this thing that no, you just- I
1: firmly believe if I and this I really mean this, if I could really help one person where they really turned it around and got better, I'd be happy with that. And I also really believe that if I do do that, it's not me. It's something else working through me. That's my belief. What you're not? you shaking your head. At my deepest, you're just. Deepest, you're just.
0: Full, I think you're I'm full not
1: full of shit. shit. I'm not. I, I
0: think you're full of shit. Why? Because I think that you're gonna do your best, okay? And like, and I think if you want to think that it's something working, whatever. I listen. This is all. Do, what do you don't think that? Uh, I, I
1: think you're that. Have, you're,
0: do you have a higher power? I do. I think you're selling yourself short. Is what I'm saying. I don't think you're full of shit. I think you're thinking that I'm thinking you're full of shit. No. Yeah. I think in reality. Like, we've heard from, you know, at least 50 people yeah. in the past two years that said we've touched them in a positive way. That's already happened. That is true. Number one. Yeah. Number two, I think they can all drop dead tomorrow. And we can't do anything about it. I think that... And this is, you know... You try to... Maybe you can... We'll do... Let me play a little... Uh, no, we're not doing that. No, let's do a little of that. Okay. I would say I've never had one clinician do any good for me and i've been to treatment for years so what did good for you what did good for me was um that i i just needed to get better in the end and i went to aa and, and so when you went to aa what happened when i went to aa i first of all i needed to get better yeah. when i went to aa and i got better in the end i
1: needed to get better and and Could you have I, done it without aa so I, what was the, the part of AA?: It's kind
0: of like the story that you told um, Meth Piss Girl. yeah I went to AA and I was so sad and I was so scared and I was so ashamed and, and I felt just like that guy yeah like that nobody gave a shit about yeah. me. That they were like some group of friends, and I was like, "Hi, you know, like," and I I wasn't gonna, and I wasn't gonna be accepted. I'd never been accepted. And there was a seventy-five-year-old painter from New Zealand, and he said, "We would be very honored if you came tomorrow and the next day, yeah, and the next day." And I said,
1: "Okay." That was helpful it made me want to come back so now let me ask a different question let's say you're in some part of the world where there is no AA, or you are terrified of the word of, of the letters A you have a strange phobia of the letters A and you go walk into a clinician's office you don't think that can be recreated oh no of course And I think, so and you I said think... a clinician's never ever done anything for you do you think it's possible that they have done things for other people Obviously. Okay. Obviously. Yeah. What's your point? My point is that you have often said before that you felt like drug treatments, there's no point. I didn't say that. What I said was that by and large, it doesn't
0: work. Okay. And what I also said is that, and that it's just, so does treatment for pancreatic cancer it doesn't work, but you still do it. It's different. It's different. Why? Because I don't know the science of pancreatic cancer and I don't really know the science of addiction. But I do know that we but we both know that if somebody shows up in treatment, like that even if they don't get better, seeds get planted. But I thought you just said
1: that all the pla- every clinician you saw in every place you went out was useless.
0: I didn't say that.
1: What I said. I think we was could rewind it, and it was pretty close to that. Hey, just rewind it, then. Yeah. You're going to rewind it? No, but I think. Why you don't can... you rewind it? I don't want to. Nah, it I didn't answer. think so. Okay, fine. We're rewinding it. Stop. Okay. okay, so we rewind. What Dave said was that he's never had one clinician ever do any good for him, and he's been to treatment for years. Now get back to the planting of seeds. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> Who cares? This is so stupid. It's stupid. Listen, man. this is what All I have to say. All that matters is
1: I'm right and you're wrong. Honestly. What are you right about? It's <laughs> about
0: everything. If my life can help <laughs> one person, then I know that my <laughs> life true. is worth it. But I want to say this, too. That I didn't really help the person. It was something working <laughs> I, through me. That's what somebody told me, and I believe yeah, it. You're yeah. You're a fucking Yes. If I can help one person, as long as they haven't been affected by this thing. All right, tell me about the seeds. Shh. Listen. <laughs> I don't know, ain't nothing to say. Let's. Where are we at? We're, let's be done we're way over let's just be done this is wait, a wait worst we gotta do an ad
4: do we need to do an ad you do the did ad did we do the ad
1: no we didn't no you need to pull up the talking points you know anyways there's a great way what point. is it there's a great way what is it to keep track of your sober time what I is think it? we might have actually done it in the beginning of this thing no that was the last episode uh, what is this thing it's the I Am Sober app it's available in the app store now do you have oh, it if on you your Google phone Google it it'll, other stuff will show up do you, you have it on it your way. phone uh, no well we've recorded a couple in a row but we're gonna And download it. Hold on, if it's such a good app, why don't you have it on your phone? Because, um, as you know, in the last episode and the episode before, we said we
0: were going to download it. I have an idea. Why don't you go into the app store and do it now? That's
1: actually a great idea. We're going to do a real-time downloading of the I Am Sober app. You know, can I I tell you walk you through the whole process?
0: I fantasized about having the I Am Sober app because I'm so stupid I can't keep track of how long I'm sober. Mm, it's a bad sign.
1: No, not Some a good way to ways determine if people are lying. You ask them how long have they been sober. A lot of times the response can take, I am me. sober. Oh, good. They have 20,000. Reviews? No, 2,000.
0: Ask me how long I've been sober. Install. I'm going to do How long it have two. you been sober? I don't know. You don't know? No, I've been sober... Let's find out. I'm going to put it into the I am sober app, and I'll find out. I'm doing it right now.
1: We're doing this together.
0: It's finally, we're doing something together tonight.
1: What are you talking about?
0: I you've been very, very, very difficult, bro.
1: You've been getting a tasty own medicine.
0: You've been been well, bro
1: medicine. Yeah. Why don't
0: you play some Avicii and start dancing?
1: You're going to go back there. Why not? Speak of the dead. Speak of the dead. Yeah. Uh, where are you getting sober from? Uh, what are you getting sober from? Is there, an, is there an everything? Do they have a poly substance? Search. I'll just put heroin. You have to pick one type of thing. You can't go. There's. A, you can be getting sober from social media. That's one of the options. Well, then how can you use the app? <laughs> I know. Right. Uh, what's your sober date? February fifth. What year was it? Two thousand thirteen.
4: I mean. Or was it
1: fourteen? I don't know. You just got four years. Fourteen. So it was 14. How much money did heroin cost me per day? We'll put it at what? A bunch. Put, Can you put a bunch let's in? Let's just average it out. We'll say 50 bucks. Even though it was more of the time. But we'll just average it out. I'm not doing all that stuff. I want to stay sober from heroin because dopey. Because
0: dopey tells me to do it.
1: You want to get it? Because you're data? paying it's us not to, right to, now. to do the app. What time would you like your daily motivation? I'm going to get my daily motivation... Uh, while I'm on the shitter drinking coffee, which is usually about 8.05 when they get in the shower.
0: Is that what you call the toilet, the shitter?
1: Yeah, shitter was full. You remember where that's from? No. Uh, Christmas vacation. Look. I've been sober for four years, two months, and 23 days. I'm already uh, done. Already First I'll of all,
0: you rock.
1: So far, I've saved $77,000. I'm going to get sober from junk food. Here's the motivation of the day. Every day you'll get new motivations that will show up here. So I guess my motivations start tomorrow. Hold on, August. Wonderful. Oh, find support. They got AA meetings, counseling, rehabilitation. Wonderful. I am sober, guys. Check it out. What year did I get sober? Oh, you're an idiot. What, what year did you say I mean, you got this sober? It's dead air. It's, I already what you, what me, year yeah, did it. I need you to nah, I gotta do it. nip at my uh, ears. Let me just do so it. Just say goodbye.
0: You said 2014? Yeah. So I said 2015?
1: Like, no, you're 2016. No, I'm not. I'm one year less than you. No, well, you're not. You're two years. You're a year. No, years so years. yeah, it's 2015. All right. Uh,. Guys, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. You've like been incredibly. Why have you been such a jerk? You're this just going to do the same thing I just did. I just walked him through. I
0: did that. I'm not through. asking about that. I'm I asking why. Why
1: are you such a jerk? You need to taste your own medicine. I don't think that's really. You really upset me and Avicii. When and I, you just need how? to put in your place.
0: How did How did I do that? You what are you talking t- 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 <laughs> <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> What are you talking about, dude?
1: We, this is dead air. We've been going for a just long answer time. the question. Nobody, if somebody's tuning in for the first, time, I don't care. They're never listening. We to didn't Adobe do. Yet. We didn't do anything. So we were long-time to do. listeners might give us a pass on this one. On which? One? What was that voice memo from the first episode we did? It was. Um, she said that there was complications. <laughs> what did she say? Who? Remember that sweet voice memo where she said good things. She said there's a few complications. This might be a complication. It wasn't a complication. What was the the word she used?
0: Well, look how much money I've saved. I didn't even put in an amount. I said a hundred thousand dollars. Well, that's just like the default number, I guess. I've saved way more than that.
1: Way more. Probably. But where's that fucking money? It's you buy cigarettes, <laughs> and fancy beds, and Nyquil. Yeah. Uh, okay, we well, you got any parting words for the Dopey Nation? You're not a good friend. What are you talking about? I'm a bad friend. I'm your best friend. Mm. How, what did I do with your bedwetting? I, you exploited you it. it. <laughs> and you
0: humiliated me. Exploited me. You sat there like a crazy person. Uh, We've really yeah. gone through it. I wish you lived closer so we didn't have to go through these emotional I fucking... I know,
1: it's been four tumults. hours. so <laughs> fucking shit. Oh my god. All right, fucking Can listen to, to dopey yeah, and gosh. have a good night. Yeah, good night and
4: toodles. They don't say that shit. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Watch this just pass me by. And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive. Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive. But I want to be good so bad. Want to be so good, so bad, so bad. I want to be good so bad. Bad desire's all I ever had. My shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's high noon where I stand shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's high noon where I stand And I wonder would they pay it any mind When I leave this busted city far behind I'll take the high road however far it winds Because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find. And I want to be good, so bad. Want to be good, so bad, so bad. I want to be good, so bad. Bad desire's all I ever had. Damn it, all these suckers make me mad. And it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had. At suckers make me mad, and I want to call my dad. And it's all I ever had. It's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had. At least suckers make me mad. It's all I ever had. And I want to call my dad. and It's all I ever had. and It's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had.